most competitive guy. I, I mean, I would throw on Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant. It's basketball. It can't be, you know, you, you can't overthink it. Fire up, everybody. Chief Foss in the backyard. Fire up, Chips. Uh, along with Jimmy King on the King and Foster show. Good afternoon. I have to see if my uh, partner is here because I never know. There he is. Look, looking dapper, well groomed, fresh. Always. I know. Yes. Looking at looking at your picture, I could tell it's a little chilly up there. What's going on? You know what? The funny thing is, I walked and I had the sweatshirt on, and I regret having it on. Now that I'm not walking, the sweatshirt is uh, appropriate now. So it's kind of an in between. It's kind of a I don't know if it's low 70s or high 60s or something, but uh, the sweatshirt feels more comfortable. If I go walking, I'm taking the sweatshirt off. Well, look at you, T. I'm proud of you. Doing your walk, you're doing your daily walk. I know you're changing your diet a little bit, getting healthy. Yeah, I've, already, I've already done my 10,000 steps for the day. Oh, wow. I need to catch up then. I need to get my Fitbit in order. <laughs> I thought you did like 20,000 a day. You know, I was- uh, Man, not anymore. I do 20,000, I, I need a cane. <laughs> Baloney, I don't believe that. But I was, uh, I wanted to talk Lions, but uh, I just got into an online discussion about Michigan football. And where would this program be if um, Michigan had hired Les Miles who wanted the job instead of Rich Rod. I know Rich Rod is your boy and everything, but Les Miles is a Michigan guy. Uh, he wanted to coach here. Uh, and some stuff happened where it just, the timing wasn't right. Um, I, I'll tell you one thing that happened, at least from my perspective, is Les Miles was trying to secretly position himself to be Michigan's head coach. But there were people like Kurt Herbstreet and other people who found out every time they found out that he was doing something that they'd leak it and it became too toxic where he couldn't accept the Michigan job. That's the way I, I view it. But if it wasn't for all that, Rich Rod and Brady Hope never would be Michigan's head coach. It would be less miles. But I'm just curious what would have happened if uh, miles had taken that job. If Michigan had hired him, uh, I think there was mutual interest, but, uh, Michigan was a little bit squeamish because there were some little behind-the-scenes stuff involving girlfriends and wives with coaches and stuff, and they thought that Les Miles would be a little bit too much toxicity, so they didn't hire him. I agree. I agree. I, the, I <clears throat> Some of the same <clears throat> stories I heard, um, you know, I could corroborate that story. Um, from the information that I got, it was – deeper than just um, him trying to uh, defect from LSU and get here. Uh, there were some entanglements involved in with some wives and girlfriends. But um, mm -hmm. had he came to uh, Michigan, who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows. Um, just from his track record, what he's done, um, I think we can say that Michigan would be in a different place, uh, uh, in a better place, uh, reputation-wise and even record-wise. 
Um, I just think that the the style of play and the players that he would have attracted um, is better suited for the Big Ten Conference. Uh, Rich Rod, uh, although I like him personally as uh, as a recruiter or the things that I noticed that didn't work in the Big Ten was the player the players' builds and their type. Um, I, when <clears throat> when I went to see the players play in person and, and, and in close and up front, they were small. They didn't fit the Big Ten look. They didn't fit the Big Ten build. Um, and I think that's what really uh, hurt the program um, the most. And, you know, you look at Ohio State, you look at the players they have on the um, – you know, out on the edge or, or you know, skilled positions, um, you know, they're fast, uh, they're strong, but you look interior-wise and they got big guys who are getting drafted number one overall or, you know, they're in the first round consistently. Um, those are the type of players that we need to or should have been recruiting in that era and we're, we got behind the ball. And uh, we got some years to catch up, and and that's what's been happening. Uh, I think we turn in the corner. I know people are impatient <laughs> with uh, with coach. I know it's been some years, but I still believe uh, you know we're not in the middle of the pack anymore, or even the bottom of the uh, you know the 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 clear class of the of the of the conference is Ohio State. Everybody else is second tier, and Michigan Michigan is the top of the second tier right now. Well, we'll see. They're they're picked to finish four and four. That's hardly uh, top of the second tier to me. So, but we'll have to see how the season plays out. The other thing that hurt Michigan were was the Michigan followers because they didn't like Rich Rod, and um, anytime he did something wrong, instead of keeping it in house, which Michigan always does, and I can tell you stories about players under Bo Schembechler going out getting arrested, and we never found out. But when mm-hmm. Rich Rod had too many practices or if, uh, you know, treated guys wrong, we found that out. When, right. when pertinent information like that started to leak out, I knew there was no way he was going to last there because Michigan didn't want him. And if you have to go around saying, I'm a Michigan man, I'm a Michigan man, I'm a Michigan man, guess what? You're not a Michigan man. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a hokey phrase, and I know, uh, you know, Bo used to say it all the time, and and uh, talk about being a Michigan man. But you have to, if you have to say it every 15 minutes, that means you're trying to convince yourself that you're a Michigan man. And I think the Michigan, I call them the Michigan mafia. These are the people who are the boosters, the insiders, and stuff. They didn't want him. And I think Michigan football is still paying for hiring Rich Rod. Not, not, not so much Brady Hoke, but Rich Rod. Because for the first time, you saw that Michigan was vulnerable. I always assume this, that you just roll out the football and Michigan's going to win nine or ten games every year. Then we found out that's not the case, that you actually have to have talent. And you're right, they, Michigan did get small. Um, they had these smaller players, wasn't suited for the Big Ten. And uh, it became vulnerable. It became Michigan became another program. Michigan became a program where guys from Illinois, Purdue, Indiana, 
I might even mention Ohio State, Michigan State. They weren't afraid. They come into the big house and say, okay, we got a shot today. We're going we're gonna to win this game today. And once Michigan became vulnerable, they haven't been able to shed that yet. And to me, Michigan is just another program. Uh, I mean, you got Ohio State, and then maybe you could say Penn State's number two for the most part. But Michigan has muddled in with over the years with uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and, and all those other bump programs. Not state huh? No, I'm not going to say Purdue, man. No, I'm I'm not even going to be that. Uh, but I do know um, Alan no, Lee, who's because... a morning show, he went to Purdue and he gets pissed every time I say that Purdue is like a fourth or fifth rate program. He's not we're better than that. No, you're not. The program sucks. <laughs> well, I, know, you know, I agree, you love with, you. I agree with you. Yeah, I do. I agree with you. I think um, uh, the recruiting uh, during that era uh, put us behind the eight ball and the perception overall, the uh, mystique that Michigan football had and the big house had has dissipated. Teams aren't afraid to come in there and compete and, and win. So, you know, you never you don't win off your reputation. You got to play the game. And that's what the players have to understand. You got to go out there and, and play. And I remember sitting on the sideline uh, against the Michigan, Michigan State game. And I was looking at our receivers. And, I, and then this was a few years ago. And I was looking at um, uh, Michigan State's D-backs. And the D-backs were bigger than our receivers. Right. Right. And then, you know, you go way back in the day. You know who a big dude was? A defensive back? Charles Woodson was huge. Yeah. He yes. looked like a linebacker to me. Uh, you know, a better <laughs> a linebacker in better shape. But Charles Woodson was big, man. Yeah. Big, fast, mean, knocked the shit out of you. That's, mm-hmm. That was Michigan football. That dude was Michigan mm-hmm. football. Absolutely, absolutely. And then and, and I'm used to prototype receivers like Braylon Edwards, you know, mm-hmm. six three, six four, you know, two twenty, two twenty-five, fast, you know, could catch good hands, um, somewhat of an a-hole, like, you know, arrogant. Like those so are that's the type one of my of boy there. I'm, I'm not gonna call I'm, him an a-hole. <laughs> that's one of my I know, guys. that's my boy, that's why I can say it. I love him. <laughs> All right. I love him. That's why I can stay. He called me one too, but that's, oh, that's why we okay. love each other. But yeah, all right, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Well, okay. Uh, I wanted to wrap with you about your Detroit Lions and um, <laughs> Matt Matthew and Stafford two. all the way. Matthew Stafford MVP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That MVP talk it flamed out real fast. It flamed out after. Um, the first game, the first half. Yeah, the first game, yeah. But, you know, the thing is, I mean, the season after two games already appears done. They've already lost two division games. They blew a golden opportunity against the Chicago Bears, and they're not going to go into Chicago and beat them. Green Bay blows them out and proves that this defense has not improved. Um, last year we said Matt Patricia's defense is too soft, but doesn't attack the quarterback.
can't stop the run, um, gives up too many points. Now, this season, we're saying the exact same thing. There's been no adjustments. No adjustments during a long offseason. Um, it's still on the tackle quarterback. You get chunk yards against these guys all the time. If the team really wanted to, they could keep the ball away from the Lions for six to seven minutes, uh, you know, pound out, you know, a 20 to nothing victory and just go home and not even care. But the fact is, is they can't stop the run. They stop, can't stop the pass. Uh, they look disjointed. And they look like, I'm not going to use the word quit, but it looked like they were like playing like, what the fuck? There's nothing we can do. So they started making mistakes, penalties, mental errors, little stupid stuff. And um, I, I think Matt Patricia is not going to turn this around. I think we've seen enough of uh, Quinn Tricia to understand this is not going to work here. Get rid of him. Fire his ass. Uh, uh, you know, uh, last week I said give him, you know, give him some time uh, to, uh, you know, show us what what, would he, what he has this year. But I agree with you. And I think th- the team has not been the same. The players, that environment, in my opinion, has not been the same since Caldwell left. Caldwell had the ear of that locker room. They respected him. Um, His temperament, obviously, is different. Um, He operates and and, and functions a little differently, obviously, than Patricia. I think Quinn and and, um, uh, Patricia have a relationship that goes back to New uh, New England. Um, They're trying to recreate the the Detroit Patriots. That's, That's what was going on. Um, or is going on, I believe, and it's not working out. And that's why I always say when a coach is coming in, if you are the head coach, it's your program. It's your process. You may take a blueprint, but you got wrinkles in there, adaptations in there where it's yours. And I think the players haven't, bonded or attached to him because they feel as if, I mean, you're not our coach. They fired our coach. They brought you in here to make us like the Patriots. So therefore, you know, what can you say? You know, you, you're basically a puppet or a clone um, of Belichick and a puppet for Quinn. So that, that is what I see. That's what I feel. Um, and and it's getting worse. I thought it may, you know, over time it would improve, but that is an indictment on Patricia, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. When when he took the job, I talked to my people in the NFL, and they said, "Here's the one thing he can't do: do not go into the Detroit Lions and act like Bill Belichick. You got to yeah. be your own man. They see through that. Uh, players won't respect you because they think that you're just playing a role." Exactly. That's exactly what he did. He came in trying to be Bill Belichick, and there's only one dude who can do that. It's Bill Belichick. Right. So exactly. He got the pencil. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he he adapted the pencil and the and the pad and and the cutoff. Well, I don't think he did the cutoff sleeves, but you know the the the, the aesthetic look and uh, the stoic uh, demeanor and, and and all of that. So 
I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. And 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 you have to make it your own. Like one of the like like Kobe. Kobe is a clone of MJ. But they're, you know, Kobe made it his own. You know, he adapted that style of play to, you know, the Mamba mentality and to, you know, uh being a more perimeter player, meaning that he shot more threes, um, um, handled the ball a little bit more. Um, he expounded that role of MJ. But and, and MJ expounded the role from Dr. J. Um, same thing, same similar type of player, but they were their own players, and we could respect and, and appreciate them differently or separately. I agree. I don't see any separation, or I can't point to any one thing that Patricia has done um, scheme-wise, uh, or even I could point to, you know, just in his personality that separates him from the New England Patriots and, and Bill Belichick. Right, and I, I tell you, there's this is here's an ongoing theme that's been happening with the Lions ever since the '90s. These defensive players want their coaches to let them loose, and they want to just pin their ears back and attack, attack, attack. Every time the Lions bring in a defensive coordinator or a new defensive mind, they said, "That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to go after the quarterback." Blah blah blah. Then they look at the personnel and says, "Nah, we can't do that." So they back down. We'll do it. Players get pissed off. Patricia just said, fuck it. I'm I'm not going to be aggressive. I'm going to be passive. We're going to bend, but hopefully not break. And I'm sure these guys in the locker room are like, damn, are we going through this stuff again? Absolutely. They, they, you said it. Yeah. You, you see the team? They, they want to play. Let mm-hmm. your players play. And then from there, you can you – can, assess and build out or scale back. It's harder to build up than than it is to scale back. I'd rather go out there and throw everything on the wall and see what I got and pick and choose and take that, discard that, groom that a little bit more, nurture that a little bit more versus having to motivate, having to uh, create, having to, you know, do things that, really has nothing to do with the game. <laughs> you know, right. it's taken away from your action or or your productivity in the moment of the game. You know, you right. don't want guys, your practices should be harder than the game. So when the guys get in the games, they're having fun. That's why the Miami Heat and, and, and historically Pat Riley teams, their practices are off the charts. So when they get in the games, it's nothing to them. They... Late in the games, they're able to uh, seemingly make plays and make uh, and have less mental mistakes because they're in better shape, or or they're conditioned uh, to operate that way. It's the same. I think you know the coaches got to recognize that and got to implement that, um, you know, to to ensure success for their players. Right, I got to tell you this story. This is one of your boys, old boys, Bo. Uh, we were talking about, um, you know, passive defenses. And under Bo, Michigan played that bend but don't break defense. And so um, mm-hmm. after he retired, we were walking to the press box, and uh, Bo, we were talking about Alabama and, and the SEC and all this kind of stuff. And he said, our athletes are just as good as athletes who go to Auburn, Alabama, Florida, and Florida State. And I said, you know what? I actually agree with you. I said, but here's the thing. 
you bring all these athletic brothers up here and then don't let them play, you know, what, what's up? They, they pull all this pass stuff. Exactly. Let them go. You can't. And then he he tried to hit me in the arm, but he, his arm didn't move. <laughs> <laughs> said, hey, play. leave my man Bo alone. Leave my man Bo alone. But yes, yes, I agree. That, yeah, and I see that often. Uh, I live through it. You know, the a lot of times you don't go like when you go to school or you go to you get up on campus. Um, that environment is different than what was depicted to to you. Uh, and then therefore, you know, mentally, uh, uh, physically, you know, it's not a plug and play. You have to work your way into the system and find out how to best utilize your talents to help the system. The ones who are adaptable, the ones at that young age are the ones who uh, become successful. But it's also incumbent upon the parents and the kids to also do their homework and not pick the school that you want to go to, but pick the school that best fits what you want to do what you want to study, um, you know, to that, that'll be more impactful for your future. Uh, more often than not, I've seen so many players go to a school and then, um, you know, not be happy. It doesn't work out for them. It has a long term effect on their lives, um, family issues, uh, all types of things. So, so it's important. It's important that you, if you're telling the parents and kids something um, when they come aboard that, you know, those things should be true. But we all know it's about getting that talent. And that's why we always spoke out. It's not what it is. It's not amateur sports at all. There is a trade there. And if the players or the parents and the students were allowed to make a business decision as the school, then I think the level, level playing field, it, it will be there. But you really have a professional environment and you are under the guise of amateur athletics and it doesn't mix. So yeah, it, it comes out think, a way in the recruiting too and coaching. Yeah, don't you think most guys don't pick the school, they're picking the coach? I want to play... Depends. It depends. Some people pick the school. They do. They do. Um, the majority pick their coach, but some pick the school. Um, and it's a combination. Uh, most, it's a combination, but the coaches override usually uh, or, or weighs heavily more than than the school. But it's both. Now, from talking to you, you picked the school over the coach, that was correct? Correct. Or was it 50-50? It was the school, I picked the school. Cool. Uh, Steve Fisher as coach, were you satisfied with the way that he handled you guys or could you have done better? No, I'm satisfied because the one thing that I think that he did that most people wouldn't, or, well, I won't say wouldn't, um, that I appreciate that he did was he treated us like men. 
never, never once were we treated as boys or kids. He respected our opinions. He treated us as such. And, and that is the reason why we were also successful. You know, Fish, uh, was smart enough to understand he didn't know it all, even all the, uh, everything that he has been through, learned, um, how long he's been coaching. Even with us, there were some things that were unconventional that a lot of coaches wouldn't allow us to do. And what I appreciate him doing is <clears throat> allowing us to experiment and be free enough to wear black shoes and black socks, baggy shorts, ball heads, uh, trash talk. Like he allowed us to do that because he put the kibosh on it. And when he did, we said, fish, we can't, we can't play this way. This is not the way that we are accustomed to playing. So we made an agreement with him about the shorts, about the shoes, about the socks and, and about the play. So there was, a, and, and that's why I say I credited him and, and I thank him for that because most coaches would have tried to control it. Yeah, because college basketball is all about control. And I think that was a smart decision on his part just to let you fellows go. All right, when we come back, um, I want to talk about the Detroit sports media. Are they tough enough on Matt Patricia coming up next on the King and Foster show? We'll be right back. I'm Terry Foster. Along with Jimmy King. Everybody stay tuned. We'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> 